All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And with bet online is setting the win total at seven. Can the Falcons go over that in 2021? You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. I've been covering the Falcons for many, many years, formerly at FalcFans.com, RIP, still going strong on Twitter at FalcFans, and, of course, the host of this world-renowned Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In today's episode, we will be talking about how good the Falcons can be in 2021 now that bet online as well as other Vegas sports books have sort of set the win totals for all 32 NFL teams with the Falcons having a win total set at seven over or under. We'll talk about that um, as we get into today's episode and, you know, spoiler alert, I think the Falcons can go over that total and I'll give you the reasons why, I think that way on today's episode, but we'll sort of break down some of the stats and and data and evidence that leads me to believe in that. And, you know, maybe you reach a different conclusion uh, by the end of today's episode, but I doubt it. I think I have a a reasonably persuasive argument. But before we get into that, I do want to say, you know, as I'm recording, this is only a few hours after uh, Derek Chauvin was found guilty on all three counts of murdering George Floyd. Um, I think it's a good day that he was held accountable. You know, I can't really say as others have expressed that justice was served because George Floyd is not here, but I hope his family has found some sort of solace and some sort of peace in uh, today's verdict. And we'll just have to wait eight weeks to see uh, how long he is locked up and hopefully it is forever. Um, But with that being said, let's sort of get back on topic uh, to the topic of football and, you know, we're going to talk about how good this Falcon team can be in 2021. Thanks to bet online dropping their over under win totals. As I mentioned earlier, the Falcons are set at seven, which is on the lower end of the spectrum. Uh, we'll dive into that further, but before we sort of get into that, I, I do think this is a worthy topic of exploring because not only the schedule is going to come out next month, but I also think the perception of how good this Falcon team is going to be this upcoming season is sort of, coloring certain people's perspective uh, on what they think the team should do in the draft. And I understand that to a certain extent. I think, you know, a lot of people or some people think that this team is going to struggle in 2021, similar to what they did in 2020. And I think that in their minds further serves as justification for why the team should potentially take a quarterback with that fourth overall selection And I don't necessarily agree with that, not necessarily the part about taking the quarterback, but, you know, I think the justification for taking a quarterback is kind of based off of the opposite, which is I think the team is actually going to be better than people think. And you're not going to really be in a position that the team is currently uh, to get a quarterback potentially as good as the one that they could get this year. And they won't necessarily be, you know, put the long term interest of this team forward and have a succession plan in place uh, for whenever it is time to turn the page on Matt Ryan. 
And I think, you know, I understand why some people and in, in this case, Vegas looks at this team and thinks that they're, you know, on the weaker end of the spectrum, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And I think in a vacuum, I understand that. I agree with that, but I don't think we're really operating in a vacuum. And as I've said many times on this podcast, I think the team is going to be better and get away with having a lesser defense this upcoming season than they were able to in 2020, thanks to having a weaker schedule. And all of that is to say that in general, I have a glasses half full perspective when it comes to this Falcons team's chances in 2021, which longtime listeners know is not usually the case when it comes to my perspectives on the Falcons. And I certainly won't promise that we, that when we get to September and the actual games are being played, that my perspective won't, you know, swing back towards the more glasses half empty perspective that I usually have. But, you know, contrary to popular opinion, I, I, I am a Falcon fan and I do want this team to do well. Um, and I think as today's episodes unfolds, you know, there's going to be evidence that suggests that the Falcons can be an above 500 team this year and potentially challenge for the postseason. It's by no means a slam dunk. And maybe that evidence that I unveil later on this episode, you know, says maybe it's a 50 50 shot that this team is going to significantly improve its record and hit the over as far as the win total goes this year. But to me, even if that's the case, 50% chance is significantly better than I think some people would have you believe. Now, with that being said, some of this optimism is driven by my belief, hope, expectation, whatever you want to call it, that in next week's draft, particularly in rounds two through four, that the team is going to be able to find some players that are going to be uh, day one contributors on this team this upcoming season. And you guys know that I don't necessarily think too highly of rookies ability to impact right away, but I'm hoping that comparable to what we saw in 2016, we'll get some guys in here that can come in and help this team. And, you know, I, I do think we tend to, over glorify that 2016 draft class a little bit too much uh, at times in large part due to the team's overall success that season. And we make those guys seem like they made bigger contributions than they probably did. But I do think the Falcons are in a position this year on day two um, and day three of this draft where I do expect them to address some of the key needs to help beef up their running game, to improve their pass rush, to improve their secondary. And I think they certainly are in a position where they can get guys that can help them do that, if not necessarily solve those problems. And so I think certainly there is a possibility um, where, you know, next Sunday when I'm doing my recap to all three days of the, of the draft and looking back at the Falcons draft class and their draft hall, that there's a chance that I, I might be disappointed because of those expectations that I'm kind of going into the draft that the Falcons will be able to, to get some contributors and they may wind up selecting players that I'm not as high on guys that are maybe more developmental projects than necessarily immediate contributors. So part of this optimism is me trying to go on record to say like, you can never accuse me of not giving the Falcons a chance this year that, you know, at least for this one week between now and, and next week that, you know, I tried, I tried to be optimistic before the Falcons went out and completely ruined it. So, um, you know, I, I will sort of look at the glasses half full perspective, um, until I don't is essentially what I say. So I want to give that caveat before we get into some of the, the data and evidence that I have, uh, for why I think this team could quote unquote overachieve this upcoming season. But before we get there, guys got to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced limited edition designs at fair price points. 
Tintin is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only at BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. This collection features high quality fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced so you can give her something special and truly meaningful i check these out myself and i like the ones that are not only the classic and traditional designs but also they have a good mix of modern elegant rings too so if you're on the hunt for the perfect unique ring she'll treasure forever you'll definitely be going to want to check this out they won't be around for long so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. Today's episode is also proudly sponsored by Built Bar. And we've been telling you about Built Bar here on the Lockdown Podcast Network for years, it seems like. And if you don't know about Built Bars, they're the best tasting protein bar on the market. They're all covered by 100% real chocolate. So they taste just like a candy bar. They come in great flavors like coconut almond, peanut butter, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, and so much more. And the bar that won the Built Bar March Madness Tournament Coconut Brownie Chunk is now available after its magnificent win. And I have to tell you guys that Coconut Brownie Chunk is the best flavor of Built Bar. I don't usually promote it because it's a limited edition flavor, but definitely take advantage of this time to make sure that you try the Coconut Brownie Chunk Bar. Like all other Built Bars, Coconut Brownie Chunk is not just tasty, but Built Bars are healthy too. They're low in sugar and calories, high in protein and fiber. All you got to do to take advantage of this limited time offer to get that coconut brownie chunk or to get your favorite flavor of Built Bar, just head over to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. So when we had Trevor Sikama on the podcast last week, he sort of talked about teasing the live coverage that the Draft Network is going to be doing for the three days of the draft. And you know, he teased it and now we got a little bit more information to tell you because the locked on podcast network is partnering with the draft network to cover the NFL draft live, get insight and analysis from all the local experts on the locked on podcast network, as well as folks like Trevor and the rest of the draft networks, national experts by subscribing to the locked on NFL YouTube page to watch the live three day coverage of the NFL draft, April 29th through May 1st. So as I mentioned before, guys, Vegas doesn't necessarily have a high opinion of the Falcons with that over under win total of seven, which is the tied for the seventh lowest in the NFL of the 14 teams on their schedule this year. Only Detroit with five wins, the Jets with six, Jacksonville with six, Philly with six and a half and the Giants with seven match their win total or are worse. Carolina is at seven and a half. New Orleans is at eight and a half. Washington's at eight and a half. And you look at the rest of the schedule, Dallas is nine and a half. Miami's nine and a half. New England's nine and a half. Both San Francisco and Buffalo are 10 and a half and Tampa Bay's at 12. So if you assume that they beat the five teams with over under win totals of seven or less. So the teams that are worse than the Falcons and then win two out of their five matchups against Carolina, New Orleans, and Washington, the next tier of teams that would put the Falcons at a win total of about seven. So if you want to bet the over, maybe you feel a little bit more confident about them being able to say sweep Carolina and win one of those games against the saints as well. And that would put them at eight. Um, but you know, based off of their uh, 
opposing teams over under win totals. The Falcons have the 14th easiest schedule in the league. So putting them in the middle of the pack, although that net number is a little skewed because for the most part, most teams are projected to have between six and, and, and 11 wins this upcoming season. So you don't get the sort of the gap where you'll have some teams that have one or two wins or 13 or 14 wins that will skew those projections. And so when you use last year's records, the Falcons have the third easiest schedule heading into this season, but let's look at another way to sort of break the tie. Let's talk about DVOA. And, you know, what's interesting about this is not looking at the the strength of schedule in terms of DVOA, but what's interesting is you look at the Falcons last season where their overall DVOA ranking was 17th in the league and they had the hardest schedule according to DVOA last season, thanks to playing the Saints and the Bucks twice, who were the two top teams in DVOA. They played Green Bay, who was number three. They played Seattle, who was number five. They played Kansas City, who was number six. And you compare that to a team like the Browns, who finished 18th in DVOA, but had the third easiest schedule and wound up having an 11 and five record. Thanks in part to playing the NFC East, which had three teams finishing in the bottom 10 of DVOA last year. The 24th ranked Texans was also on the Brown schedule. They played the 30th ranked Bengals twice. They played the 31st ranked Jaguars and the 32nd ranked jets. And this is part of the reason why going, when we talked about last season, in the Falcons expectations, you heard me not be overly enthusiastic about this team's ability to win more than seven or eight games because of how tough a schedule that they had. And you look at DVOA and look at the worst teams that the Falcons faced in 2020. It was Denver 29th, Detroit 27th, Chargers 26th, Dallas 23rd, Carolina 21st, Minnesota 20th, and the Raiders 19th. And it's notable that in many of those games against those quote unquote lesser teams on the Falcons schedule that the Falcons blew those games. Obviously, the version of Dallas that the Falcons faced was the one with Dak Prescott, not the Andy Dalton-led Cowboys, which you know speaks to some variation of having some bad luck being by not having you know being scheduled against the Cowboys in Week Two as opposed to in Week Seven. Um, but overall, in those games against the lesser opponents, the Falcons were four and four, and six of those games essentially came down to the final possession, and three of them were blown losses where the Falcons blew. Uh, in the final possession, despite winning for the majority of the game. So, you know, you could make the argument that the Falcons should have been, had they played up to their potential, been seven and one in those games and been several wins better. Uh, but we'll, we'll circle back to that. Let's talk about the Browns for a second. You look at the Browns against their eight bottom one opponents that they had on their schedule. They were seven and one. Six of those eight games were one score games in which the Browns were able to go five in one of those games. How they managed to lay an egg against the Jets in week 16 will forever remain a, a mystery. But it does bring me to the point I want to get into, which is this notion of luck and the ability to win close games. But before we get into that, let's talk quickly about sort of expected wins in terms of what a team should do. Expected wins is a method, uh, a, a formula where you basically look at a team's point differential and basically the basic premise premise is if you score more points than you give up, you should win more games than you lose. And the Falcons based off of their point differential last year, quote unquote, should have won 7.6 games last year. Um, so the fact that they underachieved that number by 3.6 games, right? They, you know, they had 3.6 less wins than they should have was the biggest, made them the biggest underachiever in the NFL last year. The Houston Texans were number two on that list. They underachieved by 2.2 wins last year. Now, 
flip it and look at the teams that overachieved last year. Kansas City was the best with plus 3.5 wins above expectation. Cleveland was number two with plus 3.3. Green Bay plus 2.1. Seattle plus 2.0. Tennessee plus 1.9. And Buffalo plus 1.4. And what's interesting about those six teams in particular is that those six teams were six out of the top eight teams in offensive DVOA last year. And then what's also interesting when you can compare that, okay, like, what does that mean? What it, now let's look at the top 10 or so offenses in defensive DVOA last year. And what's interesting is those teams tended to underachieve last year, at least based off of their expected win totals with Pittsburgh and Indianapolis being the, the two main exceptions. Teams like Washington, San Francisco, Baltimore, and Arizona were all top 10 defenses in DVOA last year, but were all 0.8 wins or more worse than their expected win total. So I want to continue and talk about sort of winning close games and getting into notions of bad luck and and whether the Falcons face some of that uh, last year and whether or not Arthur Smith is equipped to be able to reverse that as we wrap up today's episode of Lockdown Falcons. But before we get there, since we're talking about expected win totals, you know I got to plug Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, whether we're talking about the NFL, NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball. Bet Online is also the best place to get in on those 2021 draft props. If you have a hunch on where players like Justin Fields and Pinay Sewell and Kyle Pitts are going to be drafted, go ahead, head over to Bet Online. And of course, now you have the opportunity to bet on the over under win totals for all 32 teams, including the Falcons. And it's not just sports bet online also covers awards, TV shows and reality TV, get real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine because bet online has you covered for all the news scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets. It's free to sign up, head over to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today at betonline.ag. Use the promo code locked on and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That means if you deposit a hundred bucks, you get fifty dollars in free money to play with. Promo code locked on to take advantage of that welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So if you're not paying attention, guys, you have to check out the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021. It's the biggest event for the NFL side of the Lockdown Podcast Network each and every year, where all 32 hosts get together and we do a mock draft. We run through it, and this year we have great. Insight and analysis from experts like Michael Irvin, Jason Lockenfor, Brian Baldinger. If you've missed the first two days, you missed the Falcons pick on Monday. Check out the next six picks on Tuesday. We're in the middle of the first round on Wednesday. And even though you may not be as invested in it because the Falcons aren't picking in the middle of the first round. You know, if you're on team trade back, you want to hear what type of players that the Falcons could potentially be getting if they were to trade back into this middle portion of of the first round, because this is. Presumably, if the Falcons do make that big, bold trade back move, this is where they'll be picking. So definitely check out the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, news, and music that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. So as we wrap up today's episode talking about whether this Falcons team can overachieve, so to speak, 
one of the things that's often mentioned about the team underachieving last year is how poorly they performed in, in close games. They were two and eight last year in one score games that was tied with Houston for the second worst record in the NFL last year in one score games. The Jaguars, by the way, were the worst with the one and six record last year. But going back to those six teams that we talked about earlier that overachieved their expected win total, Kansas city, Cleveland, Green Bay, Seattle, Tennessee, and Buffalo. Notably, those six teams combined for a 39 and 11 record in one score games last year. So you look at the two top defensive teams that overachieved last year in Pittsburgh and Indianapolis. They were also among the best teams in the league last year at winning those close games as well. And, you know, what's interesting if you go back and look at the teams that have struggled the last couple of years in close games, there have been 13 coaching changes in 2019 and 2020 and not coincidentally, 10 of those teams had losing records the previous year in one score games. So clearly a team's success can hinge heavily on a team's ability to win close games. And I don't think that's a groundbreaking conclusion since, you know, the data shows that at least last year, 53% of all games last year were decided by eight points or less. So obviously you're going to have a bunch of close games uh, year in and year out. And so if you can win more of those games, you'll win more games overall. Um, but what is notable to me, at least last year, and I didn't necessarily dig deeper on this to see if this was a historic trend going back years and years, but the teams that seemed to fare well in those close games, at least in 2020 were also the teams that were high level offensive teams. And we know that high level offensive teams generally have good quarterback play. And what's also notable, you know, those six teams that we were talking about um, were among the top teams in offense in DVOA last year, Kansas city, Cleveland, green Bay, Seattle, Tennessee, and Buffalo. And then the two defensive driven teams that we're talking about in Pittsburgh and Indianapolis that were also good in close games did have veteran quarterbacks in Ben Roethlisberger and Philip Rivers. So I think there's a little bit of a correlation there, at least in 2020, as far as having good quarterback play and being able to win close games. Um, and you go back to the notion of coaching changes, 10 of those teams that had the losing records in one score games, the following year after making that coaching change, five of those teams made significant improvement in that regard. Most notable examples is 2019 with the Packers under Matt LaFleur had sported the league best eight and one record in one score games that year after finishing three, six and one the previous year under Mike McCarthy. Now it's not because Mike McCarthy is terrible at winning one score games because this past year in Dallas, they were four and four, which was a massive improvement from the previous year when Jason Garrett was one and six. You also have another prominent example in the Browns this past year with Kevin Stefanski's Browns being seven and two in one score games, while Freddie Kitchen's team was two and four the previous year. Joe Judge improved from the Giants going five and five this past year with Pat Shermer was two and five the previous year. Adam Gage interesting enough was five and two with the jets in 2019 in one score games after Todd Bowles and jets were two and six the previous year. So I think the idea that a lot of people have that the Falcons could be significantly better in those close games under the direction of Arthur Smith has some merit, right? Again, we're only talking about 50% of the time. There were several instances like Marvin Lewis's teams, you know, 
I don't think Zach Taylor won a single close game in his first year as a head coach. So it's not to sit here and say it's guaranteed. It's a slam dunk that you change coaches. You're going to get in better, but it's a 50, 50 split in terms of certain teams going from basically really bad to really good in terms of winning close games. Now, before we continue today's episode, I do need to make this clear. I have to give this caveat. We don't know if Arthur Smith is a good coach or not. And I use the Browns as a comparison. We're hoping that he's Kevin Stefanski, right? But he could be Freddie Kitchens. Now, I'm not going to necessarily assume that Arthur Smith is Kevin Stefanski, but I think for obvious reasons, I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful that he will be. That's where the glass is half full approach comes from. But without knowing that, there is enough evidence to suggest that this team could be substantially improved in their ability to win close games this year, largely thanks to improvements on the offensive side of the ball. We hope that the Falcons running game will be closer to league average this year than what we saw a year ago. We also saw how effective this offense was last season with a healthy Julio Jones. And that was with Dirk Cutter calling plays who we know is an inferior play caller, right? League wide. We know that Arthur Smith is a, superior play caller, at least based off what he did in Tennessee, but that doesn't guarantee that he's going to be able to port that here to Atlanta. Again, I think we can be optimistic, um, reasonably optimistic. There it's not just hope that's bringing that that's driving that, but healthy Julio Jones with Dirk Cutter being one of the top offenses. What's a healthy Julio Jones with Arthur Smith going to be. And so my expectation is that we will see this Falcons offense being a top 10 offense, at least in DVOA. And I don't think that's overly optimistic by thinking that, you know, I, I look at a team like Buffalo as sort of where we're shooting for, which is Buffalo was like third in passing DVOA and 22nd in rushing DVOA and finished fifth overall in offensive DVOA last year. That is kind of what I'm hoping for a high, highly potent passing game coupled with a okay running game, good enough running game, but it doesn't slow down the passing attack from being as capable as it is capable of being. I think, you know, the potential is there that the Falcons could be better than 22nd best rushing team in the league this year. Flipping to the other side of the ball, I'm not as down on the defense as maybe others may be because I look at it looking at how effective, relatively speaking, the defense was under Raheem Morse for those last 11 games of the season. And he had that unit for the most part across that uh, three-month period of time playing at an average to below average level. And I'm hopeful that, you know, I'm not expecting Dean Pease to be this magician that maybe others are, are billing him up to be, but I, I certainly think that he is more than capable. Of, he should be able to hit a similar benchmark to what Raheem Moore's hit. And I think some of the things that are driving that is improvements from several of the young players on the defense, as well as getting Dante Fowler and Deion Jones to play better this year than I thought they did last year. And I think you can maintain relatively average defensive play if those things um, come into play. And then you factor that in with the fact that they're not facing the elite of the elite offenses this year on their schedule compared to what they were last year. And if the offense can take care of business, I think that should be able to get you to that over number of at least eight wins this season. So I think the Falcons ceiling is considerably higher than eight wins this year. If Matt Ryan is playing at a level comparable to where he was playing for large chunks of 2018. And if the defense is decidedly average, it's kind of similar where you're basically taking 2018 offense under Sark and the 2017 defense under Marquand Manuel, which was 
reasonably average that year's year in large part due to playing a relatively soft slate of offenses that season. And so that to me is the sort of combination that we're looking for. Um, and again, those were seven and nine football teams. And again, I think we can be better than that. Um, potentially if, if those two factors sort of combine together. So I know there's going to be a lot of people listening to this podcast and say, yes, yes, Aaron. So you're basically saying we should draft Kyle Pitts, right? Because he's going to help us, you know, boost that offense and, and allow us to win games. Um, and I have to insist as usual that like who the Falcons should draft to me is a separate conversation to who, what I think the team can be this year. You're not basing who you're drafting solely off of who's going to be contributing most to the team right now. You're basing off of who you're, you're basing who you're drafting off of who's going to contribute to your team long-term to most long-term. So those things ideally aren't two mutually exclusive things, but I think the Falcons may be in a situation where those things may be mutually exclusive. And so, you know, I know there's going to be people that listen to today's episode that will use this to further their particularly draft narratives, draft agendas and others uh, may just simply dismiss what I've talked about because it doesn't necessarily fit their draft narrative, their draft agenda or whatever the case may be. But I would just say, I do plan on taking the over when it comes to the Falcons winning more than seven games this year. And while my track record for gambling isn't always the best, and maybe you should probably take my gambling advice with a a grain of salt, I would recommend to anybody else, at least anybody who's sitting on the fence about whether or not they would take the over for the Falcons, I would recommend that you do the same thing as well. So that's basically the conclusion I have reached on today's episode. And so I think this team's chances of being competitive this year are better than maybe some people would lead you to believe. I don't think it's a slam dunk by any means. Um, They got to take care of business and Arthur Smith really, you know, a lot of it is resting on how good a coach, how good a play caller Arthur Smith is, how good a play caller Dean Pease is. And and some of it to a certain degree is resting on what the Falcons can walk away from this draft with and, uh, you know, get some guys that can contribute early on in their careers. Um, so we'll just sort of have to see how that all plays out. And as I said earlier, you know, at least for the time being, I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm looking at the glass as half full as opposed to half empty, but uh, we'll leave it at that. And I think tomorrow's episode, will probably get into a topic of conversation that I've been thinking about as I consider what the Falcons are going to do in round one and thinking about what the team is going to do with Matt Ryan and his contract next off season depending on what they are going to do in round one, whether they take a quarterback or don't take a quarterback. So we'll sort of touch upon some of those scenarios on tomorrow's episode. And then Friday, we should have Mark Schofield on to talk about one of the potential quarterbacks that we may see the Falcons take on draft night. Um, I I haven't quite decided if we're going to talk about Justin Fields first or Trey Lance. I want to devote an entire episode to both guys and we'll do one of those episodes Friday and we'll do it like we did last week and another one coming back on Tuesday. And I just basically have to, you know, decide which one I want to order first. So that's what you have to look forward to uh, for the rest of this week, guys. If you have any feedback that you want to provide me on anything I discussed on today's episode, anything I've discussed on previous episodes or anything you want me to discuss on future episodes, by all means, hit me up on Twitter at Lockdown Falcons, on Facebook at Lockdown Falcons, or you can send an email to LockdownFalcons at mail.com. Appreciate it. Till then.